The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today, NBC News and MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner, former 30 years as a federal prosecutor, so perfect person to talk to you today about the court filing the DOJ put in 40 pages, including a crazy photo. Uh, that we're all processing this morning. Glenn, good morning. Um, we had a really, morning, late, a really late filing last night, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I did not anticipate a photograph like this in the filing. I didn't. I didn't think that. Um, I never thought we would see a photo like this. I mean, I think I've pictured sort of documents like this on the floor, you know, when we were getting the descriptions of where the documents were in Mar-a-Lago, like in a closet and stuff, in the basement. Um, but did you ever think you would see documents like this mark secret SCI with like evidence markers around it like this in the president's house? No, I've seen a lot of crime scene photos in my time as a federal prosecutor. Um, I'll tell you, I'm a bit of a coffee junkie and I usually need several cups of coffee to wake up in the morning. (laughs) But, you know, reading through this government pleading and looking at the attachments, including that photograph of all of the classified documents, Donald Trump, not only stole, but unlawfully concealed in violation of a grand jury subpoena. You know, that was kind of eye opening enough for me this morning. Yeah, I mean, I woke right up as well. And and Sydney will tell you for the first 10 minutes, I'm not awake. Um, So when when you're looking through the, the 40 page filing and again, this filing is in response to Donald Trump's request for a special master. Now, before we even launch into this, Help the people at home understand what a special master is and what what why Trump was asking for it in the first place. Well, first of all, he had no right to ask for one. And he was asking for one, in my opinion, simply to try to throw some sand in the in the gears and delay matters, delay the inevitable. But a special master is a thing in the law. And usually when we search attorneys offices and and let me just add, Zerlina, that Getting DOJ permission to search an attorney's office, you know, you kind of have to go to the right hand of God just to get somebody to say, "Okay, we'll let you search an attorney's office. I always railed against that because you know what? Attorneys are no more special than other folk. And we search other people's homes and offices all the time. In any event, you know, we do have a concern that if we search an attorney's office pursuant to a search warrant, we're going to get attorney client privileged documents and materials and information that we shouldn't look at as prosecutors because it has nothing to do with the crimes we're investigating. So that's why um, we put filter teams or taint teams or review teams, they're called different things, in place once we seize information from an attorney's office. I mean, we searched, the federal government searched Michael Cohen's office Mm -hmm. pursuant to a search warrant. 
and they put a special master in place to review the materials that were seized to make sure the, the federal prosecutors didn't look at stuff that they shouldn't be looking at because it was privileged and it had nothing to do with the crimes Michael Cohen was suspected of having committed. Same is true with Rudy Giuliani's office. Mm -hmm. The federal government searched that pursuant to a search warrant and a special master was appointed. Now the special master in both of those cases, Barbara Jones, was the same special master, a former judge. She reviewed the materials. She reported back to the presiding judges, the judges who had issued the search warrants. And she said, look, this is the stuff that I went through, I set aside. I think it's privileged, and I don't think the FBI or the prosecutors should get to look at it. That's the way it ordinarily happens. Well, Donald Trump ain't a lawyer, and Mar-a-Lago ain't a lawyer's office, and so there is no basis to appoint a special master to review anything, in my opinion, and now we know in the opinion of the federal prosecutors handling this case, because they said so in their filing. And, you know, the point that they made right up front is one of the most persuasive. They said Donald Trump stole these records from the federal government. And it's a little incongruous to now say, I want you to look at the records I stole from the federal government to see if there's any privileged material in there. What they say up front in the in the motion they just filed is he has no standing. In other words, the law does not recognize your claim that when you steal stuff from the government, you have a right to demand an independent person to look through it for privileged information. So that kind of boiled down to its essence is what a special master is and why Donald Trump doesn't have a right to one. Okay, so that special master question asked and answered. All right, we got our answer on that one. So in the response to the request that Donald Trump put in that you said is uh, bullparky for this special master, the, the government has filed a 40-page document, and that is where this photograph um, is one of the exhibits attached to it that we've been talking about. So what are the top takeaways that you have from the 40-page filing? I know that there is some... Um, information in here about the moving of documents after they've already been requested back from the FBI. I feel like that is a that's one of those things that you put down on your paper when they're like um, try to prove the elements of a crime. That was that's one of your bullet points. <laughs> they moved the documents. Okay, so what else um, in this filing um, struck you as very very important that we should know? Yeah, the, the top line factual takeaways are that the federal government, first through the National Archives, negotiated with Donald Trump forever, endlessly, for like a year, trying to get back the documents that he stole. And we now know the classified materials that he stole and was unlawfully concealing down at Mar-a-Lago. And he gave them back 15 boxes. And what did we learn in this filing? 14 of the 15 boxes had classified information, some at the highest level of security classification our government has. So the documents that could potentially do the most damage to our national security, he had that stuff in 14 of the 15 boxes he gave over in the first go round. Mm -hmm. Then we learned from this pleading the, the federal government, the Department of Justice had information that, well, guess what? You didn't give it all over in the 15 boxes. 
So we're going to give you one more chance. We're going to let you make a diligent search at Mar-a-Lago, find all of the other stuff that you neglected to give the National Archives in the first instance and give it to us now. And, and here's what that produced. It produced another batch of documents and it also produced a certification by Donald Trump's lawyers that we made a diligent search and trust us, you've got it all now. And we're certifying in writing that you've got it all now. And we can put a pin in that, Serlina, because now the Donald Trump's defense team has got real criminal problems of their own. So in the second batch of stuff they gave over and certified, that was everything. There were more classified documents. Importantly, they didn't say anything about Donald Trump having declassified anything. They didn't say anything about Donald Trump being concerned about executive privilege, which puts the lie to Donald Trump's claims now, you know, well after he's been caught red-handed. Well, I, I, de I declassified everything. And, and there's lots of executive, well, no, these are after the fact things that you're making up because you've been caught red-handed. But, but then it goes from bad to worse because after Trump's lawyers certified with the second batch of documents they delivered, more classified stuff, that now you've got it all, the, the uh, Department of Justice kept investigating. They must have any number of moles at Mar-a-Lago, which is a good thing, an important thing on the investigative front. And they summarily say in this lengthy pleading, we, we got more information that there was still stuff all over Mar-a-Lago that they did not give us. So they subpoenaed it. They still, uh, Trump and company were not forthcoming with anything. And that's why they had to get this search warrant. I mean, we hit a president's home with a search warrant. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. And what they found, they found twice as much stuff including classified documents at Mar-a-Lago that Trump continued to conceal mm -hmm. as Trump's defense team had given over in the second go round. So they basically continued to unlawfully conceal two thirds of what they had and they gave over one third. And here is, I think, the big reveal. In the, in the search warrant that they executed, within hours, they said the FBI was finding classified stuff all over the place, including in Donald Trump's desk drawers. There is one of the big reveals and perhaps the biggest takeaway that he still had his grubby little paws on classified materials that he was keeping in his desk. So... You know, things have gone from bad to worse. The evidence has gone from probable cause to probably proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump committed the crimes that are set out in the affidavit. I mean, when when you lay it all out like that, it does sound really bad. I mean, even worse than when I try to describe it myself. I mean, because I think one of the things I've been thinking about since I saw this photo this morning is if. When we learned of the search, like on the on that Monday, when we were all like paying attention to something else, um, and we learned that there was a search, if this photo had come out that day, do you think that we would be sort of analyzing the story a little bit differently? Because this photo is really bad. It, I mean, the GOP is trying to say like, oh, 
the Time magazine covers are there, so this is not important information. No, what I see is that he he kept the this top secret SCI stuff with the Time covers. That looks to me like somebody that's trying to say like to hide it in in the books. You know what I mean? Like when you're hiding the evidence, you know, in your secret book in the bookshelf in the in the TV show. I mean that this this looks like an episode of Twenty Four on the floor here, um, and it feels like if this had come out sooner. Perhaps the president's defenses, he wouldn't have even had a chance to even launch any because he would have had to be quiet. Yeah. And you and I, Zerlina, apply common sense to this. And that's, I think, what leads <laughs> us to my say, problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's our downfall here. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think you're right that if this had come out sooner, reasonable minds would have said, holy good gosh, are you kidding me? He was keeping... You know, some of our nation's highest and potentially most damaging secrets in his desk. Why? Well, we know why. Because he wanted to misuse them. For what purpose? For what reason? Probably, you know, to line his own pockets. Because with Donald Trump, the grift is always the thing. But I think you're right. We would have looked at this and, you know, it would have kind of knocked the national security wind right out of us. But... Would that stop the Lindsey Grahams of the world, uh, you know, saying and doing the things that he's been saying and doing to try to protect Donald Trump? Probably not. They just would have, you know, probably talked louder about Hillary's emails or Hunter's laptop. I mean, and I was trying to sort of make the point earlier that this is not the, I mean, one of the main distinctions between even the Hillary Clinton comparison. And I don't say this because I work for her. I just say this because I like to. um focus on facts um is that she was actually in the government like all of the allegations about how she handled classified and, and confidential materials on a private server a private email um was while she was in the government this is all while donald trump's not in the government like he's 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 not we fired him we we told him to leave the white house and we wanted joe biden to be the president that was what the majority of the american people said and so he doesn't have there's no he doesn't have any claim or right to have this stuff that's the thing hillary clinton at least had a right to email the stuff right i mean maybe the the, the methods were suboptimal according to the fbi and what james comey said in the press conference um when he came outside and was like she did a bad thing but i'm not gonna charge her um this is a very different situation we're talking about stuff that he is not allowed to have because he's not the president any longer um you mentioned moles in mar-a-lago that is something that keeps coming back up is is from your experience as a prosecutor do you say that because when you're reading these court filings some of the types of evidence as it's described that makes you think that the government may have a mole because of the way um it's written and what information it is or is it would they not have been able to have this much information without somebody on the inside yeah, when I read on page 10 things like further investigation revealed uh, multiple sources of evidence indicating that the response to the May 11 grand jury subpoena was incomplete and that classified documents remained at the premises. That screams to me, we got moles at Mar-a-Lago. And, and it, it's not hard to develop moles at Mar-a-Lago. You know, if you have a conspiracy that consists of three people, it, it might be tough developing a mole because you got to break one of the three. And then you have to 
break them in a way, when I say break them, that's a term of art. It means flip them and develop them as cooperators. Um, but we have to develop them as cooperators covertly in a way that the other two members of the conspiracy don't know, right? They're not alerted to the fact that one of their own is now cooperating with the prosecutors and the investigators. And then you leave them out there to remain by at least outward appearance as part of the conspiracy. And that is the way we break conspiracies apart. You get one of their own on the inside to report to us and we've wired them up and we've done surveillance video, you know, uh, a video surveillance of what they were doing. You know, think the mob when they're all kind of collected outside the bada bing room or whatever it is. And you've got that surveillance video going and one of the bad guys is wired up. Well, now that's the most valuable, some of the most valuable evidence prosecutors can collect up. And if a three-person conspiracy is tough to infiltrate, Mar-a-Lago is not tough to infiltrate. Right. Why? Because it's like a sieve. There are people going in and out all the time. That's one reason. And the other reason is that nobody's loyal to Donald Trump. People are afraid of Donald Trump. Mm. But when you're trying to break, you know, develop potential cooperators, um, it, it all comes down to a question of fear. What scares them the most? Does Donald Trump scare them the most? Or does the prospect of life in prison scare them the most? And I think it's been probably pretty easy for the, the Department of Justice to develop cooperators, covert moles inside Mar-a-Lago who have been reporting in real time for a very long time. This is going to um, get really dramatic, I, I imagine. Okay, so I want to talk about 1519 because that is the statute that I think, um, you know, there were three statutes listed, but that one, that one feels relevant, particularly given what we just learned in this 40-page document. So mm -hmm. tell us what 1519 is, what it says, and how it applies to the facts, especially the evidence of moving, moving stuff. Like if you're 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 delaying the ability of the government to get their stuff back that you stole, you're delaying a government function that feels like that applies to the statute. So help us understand it. Yeah. So the, the three um, the three federal statutes that were in the search warrant. So the three federal statutes that the Department of Justice told the magistrate judge when they were applying for the search warrant that they believe had been violated were uh, 793, which is the willful retention of national defense information, 2071, concealment or removal of government records, and as you say, 1519, obstructing a federal investigation. All three, I, I suggest, are pretty easily provable based on what we've learned even in the public record. And you know, Zerlina, DOJ, has, you know, if we have 10% of the story, they have the other 90%, mm -hmm. and it looks even worse than the 10% that we we have seen. So the, the 1519 charge may end up being the easiest one to prove because that involves, um, if, if we cut right to the chase, when a grand jury issues a subpoena as part of a federal investigation, criminal investigation, saying, give us the documents you stole, the documents we know you have. And you don't. Instead, you hide them. You conceal them. 
you certify that we don't have any more. And that is absolutely shown to be a lie because the search warrant, you know, netted tons and tons and tons of more documents that you stole, of more highly classified government materials, which makes proving the, the fact that you obstructed the investigation, you intentionally thumbed your nose at the grand jury subpoena requiring you, a subpoena is a court order, requiring you to give over all that stuff you were still hiding, Donald, in your desk, including in your desk. Big takeaway. That makes the 1519 charge obstructing a federal investigation a laid down winner. For the, for the prosecutors. Now, I, I have to qualify that when I say a lay down winner. I tried more cases than I can remember in my 30 years. I never left the courtroom. I never wanted to leave the courtroom. And there's no such thing as a bulletproof case. There's really no such thing as a lay down winner. But boy, I wish I had cases as strong <laughs> as the 1519 right. obstruction case that my friends at the Department of Justice now have. Okay, so my next question then is, how will the DOJ approach this? Because I think that there is, I mean, I can sort of see this argument and I can, I can understand it. The DOJ may not want to just charge that, given all of the other investigations going on, right? So we, we have the electors investigation where Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman and all those folks have had phones seized and searches and there is a D.C. federal grand jury looking into uh, insurrection-related crimes. Um, the January 6th committee, they may go through their process, complete their process, and do a criminal referral. We don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, there's Fannie Willis. Um, I think that's all the investigations. I had a chart, but I'm not looking at my chart currently. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's all of them. Would they throw in this 1519 to another set of charges related to January 6th, or would would prosecutors be comfortable just charging obstruction? Yeah, great question. So the $64,000 question, how will DOJ proceed? The one thing I'm confident of is DOJ will proceed cautiously mm -hmm. because nobody can ever accuse the Department of Justice of rushing to judgment. In my opinion and experience... Yeah, in my opinion and experience, they often take far too long mm -hmm. and investigate far too exhaustively, particularly when our democracy is on fire and public safety hangs in the balance. So they will proceed cautiously, but I believe they have to charge everything. That, that, now, there's a separate question of whether everything gets charged in one indictment, one overarching conspiracy, or in multiple indictments. I think multiple indictments is the the more likely way they're going to proceed. But here's why I say they have to charge it all. If you don't charge all of these crimes involving the theft of classified information, the wrongful concealment of national security information, and the obstruction of justice when the government is trying to get back that highly classified information, if you don't charge that all, well, then you're giving permission to future federal officials and elected officials and high government employees to do these commit these crimes all over again if trump and company get a, get away with all these crimes so for the deterrent value alone you have to charge them all and then i think you probably probably get charged in a separate conspiracy separate and apart 
from the conspiracy to defraud or commit offenses against the United States, which are part of the January 6th investigation. Um, but I could see a prosecutor putting it all under one conspiratorial umbrella because it all has to do with Donald Trump's attempt to acquire or retain the power of the presidency unlawfully. Oh, now I understand. Okay. Did everybody understand what he just said? Say it one more time in like a simpler sentence. Sure. So, I mean, and, and I don't want to, we can go all the way back to his conspiracy with Michael Cohen to defraud the American voters by concealing all that deeply damaging information and, um, you know, committing campaign finance violations. Literally, Zerlina, from that crime moving forward to today, all of the crimes Donald Trump committed, virtually all of them, were in his determination to first acquire the presidency, right, by committing campaign <clears throat> finance violations, mm -hmm. by begging for Russia's assistance to interfere in the election so he could wrongfully win. And then, you know, through his obstruction of justice offenses, firing Comey, telling McGahn to lie, trying to urge an, uh, an insurrection on January 6th, and retaining these classified documents, I maintain that it could all be viewed as his ongoing efforts to first acquire the presidency unlawfully and then retain the presidency unlawfully or the fruits of the presidency, mm -hmm. the documents he stole, you know, because he could do it because he was president. When you're president, they let you do it. Um, it could all be put in one big overarching conspiracy to defraud and commit offenses against the United States. Okay, what you just said blew my mind because um, what you just explained is basically the opening statement. That's the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a story that the prosecutors are going to have to tell a jury because that at the end of the day is it, what the question they're asking themselves. Can we convince 12 people um, beyond a reasonable doubt? And yep. I think that the story you just told, that they're, they're on their way. They're on their way there because yeah. you can you just connected all of these different pieces and all of these different um, threads to one purpose, which is Donald Trump will do anything. He doesn't care about the laws if, as long as um, he can be in power. He wanted to be president, so he was willing to violate laws to do that. And he wanted to stay president, even though we told him to leave, hit the road, Jack. And uh, he violated laws, allegedly, in order to stay the president. That's the story. All right. We figured it out. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I always <laughs> like to figure things out very simply. Um, super easy. We're done. I think everybody's done. Merrick Garland, you're done. Just listen to this interview and you're finished. Go file. Yeah, it's all, it's all one ongoing course of criminal conduct. And, and mm. I'll tell you, if they asked me to come back to the government, <laughs> I would I would try this case for free. Oh, well, I mean, I'll look forward to that. Maybe we can sign a petition <laughs> and make it happen. <laughs> Um, Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC legal analyst, former federal prosecutor. Thank you so much for um, helping us understand this latest court filing. Um, fascinating. This is so fascinating, especially as somebody who did pay and go to law school but never practiced. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm using all my skills. Um, thank you again. We always appreciate having you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.